Before we take a look at that, um, I want to give you um, this, this introduction for what we're going to be sort of looking at. There's, some, there's this phenomenon in Christianity that I have a name for, and this is not an official term or even a term that, that, I, that I know of very many people using, but it's a term that, that I use for this. Um, and it links very, care, very closely with what we're going to be looking at in this text today. And it is what I call slave Christianity. Slave Christianity. I don't mean the Christianity, the Christianity of slaves. That would be another kind of slave Christianity. But I mean a Christianity that exists in churches, in denominations. Um, it's not, I'm not talking about this denomination has it and this one doesn't. I'm talking about that something that is very common within, with, with, within the Christian um, family, within the church. Um, and it can be in this person and not in this. But it, it, this is kind of slave Christianity. And this is what I mean by that, slave Christianity. There's two parts to it. There's those who are leading it and those who are under it, okay? In slave Christianity, there are those who are leading it are proud um, of, of themselves, think of themselves as wise, think of themselves as righteous, think of themselves as the ones who, who truly know God and know his word, and they are proud in that. They consider themselves righteous, and yet they, um, and yet they don't know God. They don't truly know God. They, they read the Bible. They teach the Bible. Even. They even explain the Bible and try to pass on the Bible. But because they don't know God in the, in the way that Jesus reveals him, which we're going to talk about in this text in front of us, in the way that Jesus reveals God, they don't know God in that way. The way they pass on God and the way they pass on his teaching is corrupted. Um, and not only do they add to the teaching, they add things that, that are not truly part of God's word and really what God wants us to pass on, but the way they teach Christianity is with a slavery-type mindset, meaning they, um, they pass on the word in such a way that it wearies and burdens and overloads and, just, and, and, and crushes the people that they're teaching. The reason being, not only do they add to the word, but because the way they present God to the people is not the God of the Scriptures, not the God of Jesus Christ, but is a God who is not... Uh, although they would say he is, and they would use that language because they're going to quote the Bible, the way it comes across is not, as, um, is not like the God of the Bible. They don't present God as merciful. They don't present God with his people who have acknowledged their sins, that their sins are not between them. There is, the sins are not between God and that person, that God is patient and kind because they've acknowledged their sins. They've, they've, they've repented of their sins. They've acknowledged it and they've been saved by Christ, they, God is patient, merciful, kind, gentle, pouring out love and mercy on the person. Instead, somehow the way they present God leaves the people under their teaching feeling like that, that God is like a slave master and he's crushing them with do this, do this, do the other thing, do this, and God disapproves of you. God is frustrated with you. God is irritated with you. God is uh, demanding more than you're doing. He's so dissatisfied with you. He's severe. He's like a slave master saying, do this. That's not good enough. Do this. Jump here. Do this. Do the other thing. Instead of the way Jesus says he is, which is a loving father, merciful, to sinners. Yes, are they sinning? Yes. Did they sin today? Yes. Did they sin this hour? Yes. Mercy, fatherhood, kindness, gentleness. That's the God that Jesus taught. 
That's the God that God presented. But there's so many Christians who are living in a way that they are. They think of God as a taskmaster, as a slave master, as someone who is crushing them and destroy. And they are what Jesus describes in this passage as, as they are burdened and they are weary. Now, Jesus is addressing the, Jude, the, the slave Judaism at this time, a Judaism where their teachers and their leaders teaching from the Bible, teaching from God's word, were crushing the people of Israel with their teaching, the way they taught it, the way they added to it, and the way they, they presented God as this slave master who was crushing them. Um, the people were, were dying underneath. They were like sheep without a shepherd. They were lost. They were like they were like uh, the, they were the sick who, who who had no doctor. They were crushed by this, um, and and this is what this is what Jesus is getting into in, in this passage and addressing. Um, let me show it to you now. Verse twenty-five. Verse twenty-five. At that time, Jesus said, "I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise." And the learned. You have hidden these things from the wise. And what I am teaching, what I am bringing to the poor, remember he's preaching to the poor, what I am bringing, this message that I am bringing to the common people, to the people suffering under these people's teaching, I'm not bringing it to the wise and learned. They're rejecting me. They think they know it all. They think they're already righteous. They think they already know God's word. They think they already know God and they're blind. But they're the wise and the learned. I'm not bringing this message to the wise and the learned. I'm not bringing this to the healthy but the sick. Who am I bringing it to? What does he say? I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and you've revealed them to little children. Now, this is a metaphor, and he doesn't mean literally little children. Babes, some of your translations may say. "I'm I'm, I'm revealing this to babes. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. Jesus went to the babes, those that were under these teachers, those that were the sheep without a shepherd, those who were dying on the vine, those who were struggling under this kind of church leadership, this kind of religious leadership. Uh, This is the way that that they, they were led. This is the way that they were taught, and they are crushed by it, dying under it. Those who, these people who know their sin, they know that they've sinned. They know, they feel hopeless because they, from what they're hearing from their teachers, that they're, they're dirty and, and, and horrible and God, and God doesn't want them because they are not good enough. Um, but the Pharisees are good enough. The Pharisees are wise enough. The scribes are good enough. The scribes are wise enough. But Jesus came to reveal to them these, to tell them these truths and he set them, he's going to set them free from the teaching of the Pharisees and the scribes. He's going to set them free from that teaching by teaching them the truth. And Jesus rejoices in this, praises God, and says, this is what you wanted me to do, Father. This is what pleases you. Look at verse 27. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. By the way, it doesn't bring in the spirit here, but this is such a clear teaching about, um, it's pointing us to this doctrine that was going to be explained more and more in the New Testament of the Trinity and the equality of the Father and the Son. Human beings don't know the Father uh, and the Son. He has to reveal himself, but Jesus, the Son of God, naturally 
knows the Father. The Father naturally knows the Son because they are one, because they are Father and Son. They are both divine. They are both of equal power, equal glory, and they know each other. People are so flabbergasted by this verse being in the Gospel of Matthew. So many people say, this can't be right. This, someone had to have added this. <laughs> people who, don't like to, who like to think of the Gospel of Matthew as a, primitive, as a primitive gospel, like, this sounds like the Gospel of John. This can't be right. Matthew never would have written this. He never would have put that in there. Um, but of course, this is the doctrine. This is the truth, that the Father knows the Son, and the Son knows the Father. They know each other because they're both equal. And so because of that, the Son has been sent. He's become man. He's been sent into the world, and he's been sent to to reveal the Father to the world, to reveal the Father to his people, reveal the Father to the babes, to the little children, reveal the Father to them. Jesus is the image of the Father, right? He is the image of the Father. He is equal to the Father in power and glory, and even in his humanity, he reveals what God is like, what the Father is like um, to people. Uh, And so he is able to show us God. The slave Judaism, this Judaism that was under the Pharisees and scribes, they were not able to communicate to the people what God was really like because they didn't know God. They didn't truly know. They were presenting the wrong version of God, this this slave master type of God, instead of the God that Jesus um, is presenting to them. And and he is presenting to them the the Father that he knows, the Father that he knows uh, in eternity, the Son of God has been with the Father and known him. And so he comes into the world and he presents him, not only with his teaching, but also with his life and his character, right? The way he is, the way Jesus is, is the way the Father is. It's right to say the Father is Christ-like. Uh, when you see what Jesus is like, that's what the Father is like. He presents to us the Father. So he comes to show us what God is really like by the way he acts, what he does, the way he lives, and what he teaches and what he says, that's his mission. He's been sent into the world. Um, this is part of what his mission is, is to show us. What, and he's going to show us even by the cross itself. He's showing us what the Father is like, the forgiveness, the mercy that the Father is giving. Look at verse 28. Come to me. Jesus says, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Now, the reason that I'm applying this to this idea of slavery Christianity or slavery Judaism in this context, but for us, application to us, this slavery Christianity, is because this kind of language was used. It's, we, we could broaden it, and it would be okay to broaden this and talk about this, uh, talk about this weary and burdenness in a more gen- general way or a more generic way. But in, but in the New Testament and in um, the Gospels, it's used in a, in a very specific way um, about a yoke that's on the people. He's even going to use the language of yoke in a minute, a yoke that's on the people that is a burdensome yoke, a yoke that is too much for them, a yoke that never should have been put on their shoulders. Um, but the Jews would use the word yoke. They, and this kind, you may, when you hear the word yoke, um, I, I don't know what comes to your mind, but for them, it had, it had two meanings. And the culture, broadly, it, it was, a, it was a, uh, a symbol of slavery, a, sl- a symbol of, of servitude and slavery, that you had the yoke, on, the yoke of slavery on you, um, or oppression. You had the yoke of a, of a, of a cruel uh, overlord over you and had that yoke on you. But it was also used in a positive way. 
It was also used by Jews to say the yoke of Torah or the yoke of the Bible. You, you put the yoke of the Bible on you, which means you, 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 you are going to obey God. You're going to submit to God and obey God. But what Jesus is teaching us in here is that that yoke, the way they're being led, the way they're being taught is a yoke that has become burdensome because of their sin and because it's, it's not just the way they're being taught, but it's their sin itself. They're not able to, to do this. They're not able. They are only over, overwhelmed by, by the teaching that they're receiving from the world. And the teaching they're getting about God is not helping. They're not hearing about his, his mercy and forgiveness, but they're hearing this disapproval and this rejection um, of, of, uh, of them because of their, their failures and because of their disobedience. Um, so... Uh, so he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Um, God is making, they feel that God is making demands on them. He's severe, merciless, hard. And the Christianity that they know, or the, in this case, the Judaism that they know is a, is a Judaism of, of oppression, of slavery. But Jesus says, I'm offering you rest. doesn't mean he says, I'm not, you, don't, you won't have something to do. I'm going to give you a break. You won't have to do anything. Or you don't have to obey. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, what I'm going to give you is going to bring rest to your soul. It's not rest to your body in the sense of you won't have anything to do, but in the sense of my message and my salvation, not just my message, but my salvation is, and the, the giving of the Holy Spirit, the coming of the kingdom is going to give rest to your souls. Instead of slaving away and feeling like God is always crushing you and against you and you're, and you're overburdened and you're weary and exhausted, you will find in my life and the life that I'm going to give you, the salvation and the teaching I'm going to give you, you will find rest in it. It will be like Sabbath for you. It will be, a, it will be like the wonderful day of Sabbath when you get to rest, when you are just resting in the, the wonder of God and resting in who God is. And all of Jesus offers rest. Why? Because he offers a God who is mercy, grace, kindness, patience to sinners. This is the God. A few verses later, he is revealing. He's revealing to them the Father, the real Father, and what he is really like. He is your Father, not your taskmaster and slave master. He is your Father, your loving, merciful, kind Father. He sees your sin. He hates your sin. But he loves you. And sin does not remove him. He does not remove himself from you when you sin. You are forgiven when you, because you're acknowledging it and recognizing sin. This is what is offered to you. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. When, if you think about it historically, when will that rest be given? In one sense, and we've already talked about this, it's Pentecost. It is when they will, when they will, they will receive, they're going to receive the teaching Jesus is giving but the rest won't fully be theirs until they receive the Holy Spirit within so that they really fully know the God that Jesus has been teaching them. They fully understand and feel and know and experience the God of mercy that Jesus has been teaching them. Then they will have this rest. They will have this rest of forgiveness. I'm forgiven. He, he has paid the penalty. He has on the cross forgiven me of my sins. They're covered. They're forgiven. There's nothing between me and God. There's no barrier between me and God. God is for me. He's with me. He treats me like a father treats his precious child that he loves with everything in him. That's the way the father's attitude is towards me. And yet you still 
uh, all around us, we hear something else. We hear about the slave master God. We hear, and there's so many people crushed and living in a religion where God, some of you, there may be some of you here today that your attitude towards God is, 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 is gritting your teeth and fear and, 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 and always anxiety and always, there's, that's not the God that Jesus teaches us. That's not the God that Jesus presents to us. He presents to us a God who forgives us, who calls us to obedience, but forgives us and blesses us and is on our side, and he hates our sin, not us. And yet, some of you are living in such a way that you are living as if, God, as if the God of the Pharisees was, was, was the real God, um, this God of disapproval and this God of, of, of harshness and severity um, was the God um, that, uh, that Jesus had taught us. Um, Look at verse 29, verse 29. So take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, when he uses the word yoke, once again, think they think obedience to God. They think that's an image of slavery, but it's also an image of obedience to God. But notice what he's going to say about it. He, 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 he takes up the metaphor of yoke. He takes it up. He's not afraid to use it, but he wants to explain what he's talking about when he's talking about a yoke. Is he talking about obedience to God's word? Oh, yes, Definitely. But what, how is he talking about this yoke? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I, Jesus says about himself, I am gentle and humble in heart. He doesn't say, take my yoke upon you because I demand these things. And if you don't do these things, I will crush you. I will do this. I will do that. He says, no, come to me. And, I, do you, and understand who, I, who you're coming to when you come to me. You're coming to one who is gentle and humble in heart. The Lord of the universe describes himself as gentle and humble in heart. Meaning, humble meaning, he is great. He is the great one. So he's not humble in the sense of um, he's, he's nothing. But he's humble in the sense of anyone at the lowest point, I will accept anyone, the lowest sinner, the lowest person, I'm humble. I will take them in. I will welcome them. I will receive them. Anyone can come to me, and they will find in me kindness, mercy, gentleness. That's what I'm offering to people. That's what I'm offering. That's what, that's, that's what my word is to people, kindness, gentleness, mercy. That's the yoke that I'm giving. My, in my own heart, I am gentle and humble. You will find rest for your souls if you come to me, in me. Submitting yourself to me will not be like what it's like to submit yourself to this slave Judaism, the slave Christianity. It is, you will find a kindness and a mercy. You will find a yoke that is, look what, how he describes in the last verse, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And actually what it says, the more literal translation, this is no, there's nothing wrong with this translation, but a more literal translation or a more um, close to the original meaning of the word doesn't make much sense because it says, my yoke is kind. My yoke is kind, which is not a word you use for a yoke. It's a word you use for a person. And this is what he's saying. I am kind. Your Messiah is kind. Your God, your Father is kind. The yoke I'm going to put on you is the yoke from a kind, merciful, gentle God and a kind, merciful, gentle Messiah. That's the yoke I want to give you. I want to take away this yoke that the, the Pharisees and scribes have on you. And, and, and brothers and sisters, if you're living under some kind of slave Christianity, he wants to take away the yoke 
of whatever bad teachers or bad teaching, or maybe it's just your own bad interpretation of the Bible that you're living under. And if, I mean, if, you're, if your attitude towards God is fear, anxiety, terror, uh, uh, dis- he's disapproved, he's dark, he's against me, and all that, you don't know the God that Jesus teaches. You don't know the Holy, the Holy Spirit hasn't uh, worked in you the truth of the God, the Father, the loving Father that Jesus taught and that Jesus gives to us uh, the knowledge of in his teaching and in, his, and in the Pentecost spirit he gives. Let me read a few other texts. Um, uh, just, I'm not going to get into them. I just want to read them so you can see where this theme is in other parts of the New Testament really quickly, okay? Matthew 23, 4. Talking about the Pharisees and scribes, this is what Jesus says. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads, and they put them on the people's shoulders. This is what they do. This is their kind of religion. They tie up these heavy, incredibly cumbersome loads, and they put them on the people's shoulders. Peter says in Acts 15, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles, so now Gentiles are coming to Jesus, and Peter says, why are we trying to put on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that we couldn't bear, our ancestors couldn't bear? Why are we doing that? There's grace in Jesus Christ, mercy in Jesus Christ, salvation, forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Peter's saying, why are we putting this yoke of the Pharisees and the scribes, why are we putting that on the necks of the Gentiles? They don't need that. That's not what they need. They need salvation in Jesus Christ, forgiveness and the gift of the Holy Spirit, not the the burdensome slavery that we knew and we struggled under for so long. That's not what they, they need. Galatians 4, 6, because you are the opposite of slavery. This, this, this metaphor is, uh, is not as, 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 as big in this passage, but because Aaron preached on it last week, I want to tie it into what Aaron did last week. Um, go from Galatians and Romans really quickly. Uh, if you weren't here, Aaron talked about um, our adoption, our sonship. But from Galatians, it says, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. The spirit communicates to us that God is a loving merciful, gracious Father. That's what the Spirit does within us. We are adopted by God, and we know God in this way instead of the way that slavery Christianity knows him or slavery Judaism. And he goes on, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. And a little bit, late, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit further on in Galatians, he says, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. For freedom, and he doesn't mean not, no obedience or no, no following God or loving other people or loving God. That's not what he means. But he means it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by, can you guess? Do not let them put back on your shoulders what? A yoke of slavery. A yoke of slavery. The old way. The old way of, of religion. Romans 8, 15, this is what Aaron read for us last week and taught to us last week. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. That's, that's, that's done. That's over with. Instead, rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. You are children of God, a loving father, and by him, by the spirit within us, we recognize, experience God, and cry out, Abba, Father. 
Abba, Father. That's the relation now because of Jesus, what he's done for us. This is the way we relate to God now and the way we relate to Jesus. Jesus' yoke is not a yoke of slavery. It's not a yoke of oppression and burden. Is there obedience? Are there commands? Yes, but it's a different whole feel because you have Jesus with you, his spirit within you and, his, and him with you, and he's never going to leave you, and he's gentle, and he's kind, and he's patient, and he's merciful, and he stays with you and helps you through, and he, he wants to defeat your sin as much as you do, more than you do, of course, and he, um, he's going to help you with that. But he doesn't abandon us or turn his back on us. Instead, he gives us rest. We rest in him, and we grow, and we begin to, and we begin to follow him. You will, you will have rest for your soul, knowing God's salvation, knowing Jesus Christ on his cross and resurrection, knowing his mercy, knowing what Jesus has done for us, what Jesus came to do for us, provide forgiveness and mercy, make... Uh, have us adopted into God's family and have the God the Father as our loving Father forgiveness. My yoke is kind because God is kind. My yoke is kind because Jesus is kind. The Messiah is kind. My burden is light. It is something that you can bear by the, by the grace of God within you and the work of the Holy Spirit. This is something that you will find life in, rest in, instead of toil and Uh, being crushed by a burden. Let's pray.